join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. You will need your palms, and you will need a spirit of lightness. We will be doing our Palm Sunday reading uh, interactively, and so you get to help, and you get to help by doing some sound effects. I was surveying the congregation to try to divide people up as best as possible, because one group of you gets to be donkeys, which is really the funnest part, <laughs> and, and that group gets to be this section over here, and about half of you from this section here, yes, I see some of you, you do want to scoot that way. <laughs> this, uh, this other half of you um, on this pew here gets to be donkey owners. And then, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm just looking as I go along. Then we have this section here. Uh, with Sam and it, you get to be the two disciples group. And over here with the choir and the group on this choir side, you all are Pharisees. <laughs> That's a perfect, <laughs> it's a perfect place to start. Since the Pharisees are ready, here's your part and you can practice it. You get to uh, put your hands on your hips and you get to say, tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell your disciples to be quiet. Very nice. <laughs> Donkeys, you, you've been prepped a little, so you get to uh, beat the Pharisees and their enthusiasm. I'm going to have to set this down because you need ears. So uh, donkeys, you get to have your donkey ears, and of course you say, hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, the two disciples group, which was sort of half of this pew and over here, you get to uh, shrug your shoulders and say, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. All right, I think we're ready. Do you all know your parts? Okay, there's one more. This one is for everybody. This is where you need your palms and you get to wave your palms and say, blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Let's try that part. Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Hosanna, Hosanna. All right, I think we are ready. Uh, so at this point of the story, Jesus has been making his way toward Jerusalem. He has been teaching and working miracles uh, and he has been preparing his followers for what to come. After Jesus had said these things, he went up to Jerusalem. 
When he got close to Bethany at a place called the Mount of Olives, he called two of his disciples and gave them the following orders. Go into the village up ahead. When you get there, you will find a young donkey that has never been ridden. It will be tied up. Donkeys. <laughs> when you see the donkey, you need to untie it and bring it to me. Owners, get ready. If the owner asks you, oh, so close. <laughs> Why are you untying my donkey? <laughs> Did I not tell you? Why are you untying? Did all of you do the Lord needs it? Okay. <laughs> this may be how it went, actually. <laughs> Did we have any donkey owners? Yes, but, but I gave you the wrong instruction. Your line is, why are you untying my donkey? Okay, one practice run. Why are you untying my donkey? There we go. This is going to make so much more sense. <laughs> now we get to do your line. If the owner asks you, why are you untying my donkey? Simply tell him, the Lord needs it. Nice. You get to do your parts again, so it'll go smoother the next time. The disciples did as Jesus told him. They went into the village. They found the young donkey. And they started to untie it. But as they did, the owner came up to them and asked... And just as Jesus told them to do, they replied, The Lord needs it. Then the two disciples brought the young donkey to Jesus. They put their cloaks on it, set Jesus on its back, and off he rode. As Jesus rode along, people spread their cloaks on the road in front of him. They reached the path that led down from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. People began to shout praises to Jesus for all of the powerful things that they had seen him do. This is the part for everybody. Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Hosanna, Hosanna. When the Pharisees heard this, they were not very happy. Tell your disciples to be quiet. <laughs> Jesus said, even if they are quiet, the stones would cry out. And then, once again, all along the road, people joined in all together, waving their palms and saying, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of God. Hosanna, Hosanna. Nice job. I believe we deserve a round of applause for all of that, especially this group who got the wrong instructions.
next to a part of the story that happens a little later in the week. The Gospels uh, place this a little differently, but what is clear is that this story begins to mark a movement from the entry into Jerusalem, which was triumphal and celebratory, um, towards some events that are, that are happening. And so we turn to that now, and we are using the reading from the Gospel of John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she, would sa she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. 
us rise and sing A Prophet Woman Broke a Jar, verses one and four. moving forward in our story to Thursday and a reading from Matthew chapter 26 verses 17 to 30 which is one of two times where Jesus sends disciples ahead to set something in motion before it unfolds. On the first day of unleavened bread the disciples came to Jesus saying where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover. He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, Jesus took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed. And they began to say to him, one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus replied, You have said so. And then while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, 
he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. After giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is a story that we remember often in our communities. And this is a table that is open to all. This is not our table or even the church's table. This is the table of Jesus, the one who came to welcome all people around it and expanding it. Here we celebrate communion in a way that is as inclusive as we can make it. We serve gluten-free bread and grape juice so that all can eat and drink together. We invite those who uh, would like to to come forward. There will be two stations to the front and two stations in the back. If you prefer to have communion brought to you in your pew, raise your hand. A server will be happy to bring it to you that way as well. And so we turn to eating together. come, all has been made ready.
It's much to get ready on a day like today. <laughs> after the meal, after dinner, Jesus left to pray. And he asked his disciples, his friends, the ones who had just shared that meal with him, to pray with him. But at that point in time, uh, his desperation wasn't their desperation. And so they fell asleep. And they fell asleep several times. And still on that night, Jesus prayed. He prayed the prayers that I would guess we have all prayed at some point. He prayed, why me? And he prayed, can this go another way, God? Luke tells us that eventually, in answer to these prayers, an angel came. And the angel gave Jesus strength. But even then, Jesus prayed and he cried. And Luke said, Jesus sweated in terror. One more time, he got up. And he asked his disciples to pray with him. And so we come to the last reading. Because as he went to ask them to pray with them, while he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came. And the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were all around Jesus saw him and saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike out with our swords? And then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus immediately said, no more of this. And he touched the ear and healed him. And then Jesus turned to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police and the elders who had come for him. And he said, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I was a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour. And so ends our reading for today. All that fun that we started with, with the waving of palms and the acting like donkeys and the mix-up with the owners and the disciples, it seems a little far away now, even uh, half an hour ago. That's how it is when things go wrong. I always remember this woman that I spoke to when I was a hospital chaplain. Her husband had been killed in a motorcycle accident earlier that evening. And I remember her looking at me and saying, my life was different 24 hours ago. Jesus might have said that same thing, and all of you might have memories of times when you have said that same thing. Life was different a few hours ago. 
I've heard it said that the uh, price of love is grief. And I, I don't like it because I don't like to think of love having a price as though it's something that we have to buy or to earn. But I do think that it is true that love and grief go hand in hand. And that sometimes the grief that we experience comes not just in times of tragedy, but in betrayal. People aren't who we need them to be. The friends don't show up when we need them the most. Partners fail us in big ways and small ways. And if all of that wasn't enough, we even fail to be the people that we want to be. And yet time and again, Jesus modeled forgiveness. He taught his disciples to pray 70 times 7 times, maybe an infinite amount. He taught his followers to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You heard it, move towards forgiveness at the table and even in the garden. Jesus' vision was always for a community that would grow. And forgiveness is the only thread that can hold a group of people together. Without forgiveness, we run the risk of revenge. Or if not revenge, then at least bitterness. This Lent season, we have been looking each Sunday at letting go and picking up. And today we are thinking about letting go of bitterness to pick up forgiveness. It's a lovely focus for Holy Week, this week between Palm Sunday and Easter, this week when we have a chance to practice compassion with Jesus. Some of you have probably heard it said before that compassion literally means to suffer with. And so this week, in our own way, we choose to enter on and enter into this path of suffering with Jesus. And we don't do it for the sake of punishment or from shame or guilt, but to learn from someone who lived well right up and through the end. The invitation that's open to you this week then is to make that your practice for this week. To take a moment, maybe even before you leave today, to think about the places where you might need to offer forgiveness, perhaps the places where you might need to ask for forgiveness. But as you do that, as we all begin to think about what that might look like, I think it's worth remembering that forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to forget. Forgetting would probably be easier. It doesn't even mean necessarily that a relationship will go back to where it was. It does mean when we forgive that we choose to act from a place of love, that we choose to let go of 
rage or uncontrolled hurt. It means that we might look at that wrongdoing, that we might recognize the damage that it caused, but that we might also choose to hold it alongside love. There's been much to ponder, even just this morning, in the stories that we have heard. There will be much to ponder throughout the week in your observations of this time as you read and reflect. And along the way, I hope you'll notice the places where forgiveness shows up. The places where even in that darkness, Jesus chooses love. And I also hope as you enter into this time that you do it remembering that we remember these stories in order to remember the bigger story. We remember these stories, the hard things, the betrayals, the goodbyes, because we know that the end is around the corner. The beginning, I should say, is around the corner. And so as we continue our reflection in a time of music, I invite you to hold the idea of forgiveness, to hold it perhaps wherever you are on that journey. And to know, too, that although we have some things to get through, as a people, as individuals, new life is on the way.